on Bay Road. That's right. Amen. Go ahead, youth. You can be dismissed. And uh, the rest of you can open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about mysteries. The mystery. Um, how many of you like a good mystery? I mean, I do. You know, Sharon's a big, she loves, she's kind of a murder she wrote kind of a person. Do any of you guys watch Murder She Wrote? Or, yeah, she likes stuff like that. Miss Marple, anybody know who that is? Miss Marple, she likes Miss Marple. Um, she likes watching detective shows. Uh, she, uh, I'm more of a Sherlock Holmes kind of guy. Uh, that's my guy. How many of you like Sherlock Holmes? And uh, so, uh, but mysteries are really awesome because um, the, the difference between a mystery and a secret is, is that mysteries have clues, right? How many of you ever played the game Clue before? And you're trying to figure out if Mr. Green killed somebody with a, a candlestick in the study or whatever, right? I mean, those are cool games we play. But we like mysteries because we, get little, because we can't figure it quite all out, uh, but we are getting the clues to be able to know. A secret is something we don't have any clues to. It's something that is completely hidden to us. So when the scriptures talk about the mysteries... It means that God has not told us the ultimate, he has not given us the final answer, okay? He's not, in fact, the word mysteries or mystery, and there's uh, two different ways that it's talked about in the New Testament specifically. Um, the word mystery is in the New Testament 26 different times. It's the Greek word mysterion, and it means, uh, it means to keep your mouth shut. Okay, so it just means that's what it means. So uh, please don't say that to me or anyone else. But uh, but it means to, to you know it means to be silent. But God yet has left us clues uh, and shown us things and examples and different ideas out of His nature so that we could see these things. And then there's an appointed time where these mysteries are now revealed to us, where we see them. We're going to look at a couple of those. But there, you would agree with me, I'm sure, this morning, that the word mystery and mysteries are two different things. Mystery talks about a mystery, which means that is one thing. Mysteries means multiple things that are to be figured out, okay? And let me just tell you about God, that God has, is revealing to us mysteries. There are many mysteries that God is trying to convey and to be able to teach us. Um, and uh, there's not just one mystery, okay? Not just one mystery. So uh, this is really cool. I think this will help you in your spiritual growth, but I want you to look at, uh, I want you to look at verse 8 with me in uh, chapter 1. It says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now this is just one aspect, but the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed, in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. And uh, he goes on here and he begins to talk about the mystery of God's will and how that God's will was to gather in Christ everything, to gather everything in Christ, that through Christ everything could become one. Now, one of the things that you'll hear people talk about today, and, and uh, 
can become a conversation is when we talk about how that we have been included with the Jewish people now, okay? Because the Bible teaches over and over, and we'll look at this as talking about His will, that there are those who first believed, which would have been the Jews, but then there are those who are not Jews, who are Gentiles, which is us, who have come in line with that belief. But here's the, here's the real mystery. See, it, it, the, 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 the mystery revealed. It's not that Gentiles could become believers. That was never a mystery because that was talked about in the Old Testament. You find that in a whole bunch of places. Here's what's really powerful. The mystery that's revealed in the New Testament to us about, about this, about God's will, is, is that we are equal with the Jews. We are completely equal. That there is neither... You listen to what it says like in Galatians. You read the book of Galatians. It says there is neither Jew nor Gentile. You and I are made completely equal. See, sometimes what we do is we, 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 we get a thinking that, well, the Jews are better because they're closer with God. They have this great story. They, they came out of Egypt. You know, they're God's chosen people. Well, let me, let me just reveal something to you today. Maybe you didn't know this, but you're God's chosen person too. And one doesn't make it better. Just because you were first doesn't mean that you're better than those who were second. Okay? Because we're all eating at the same table. You know, when we go to heaven, the Bible says that there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. All right? There's not going to just be a table for Jews that believe and a table for Gentiles that believe. There's one table. We all gather at that table because we are all equal together in the sight of God. That's a mystery. Now, there were lots of clues in the Old Testament toward this, and the Jews really struggled with this because they had a problem with you being equal to them. And the reason they had a problem, because they are like, well, we're the first to have believed, and we, God has revealed his law to us, and, you need, and these were a group of people that were called Judaizers in the, Old Te- in the New Testament, and they basically wreaked havoc in the church and caused a lot of problems for Paul because they were going around, and they were here as well. You can read in Acts 19 about how that they, they caused problems for Paul when he was in Ephesus, that what they would tell everyone is, is that, look, you have to be a Jew before you can be a Christian, you can't just become a Christian. So you got to do all the Jewish stuff, and then you can become a Christian. What Paul, the great mystery that is revealed here, is, is that God's will is, is the mystery of his will for you and I, is he has brought everything together in Christ. Now here's the next part of it. There is neither male nor female in Christ. So a man is not better than a woman. That's pretty weak. I would expect a much better response. A man is not better than a woman. A woman is not better than a man. They're just different. But different doesn't mean better than or greater than. Amen. We definitely are different, though. Right? On every level. I mean, physically, we're different, obviously. But on a genetic level... Even in the way we think and process things, men and women are completely different. That doesn't mean one's better than the other. So if you're a man, don't think because you think one way that you're better than a woman. And if you're a woman and you think a certain way, don't think you're better than a man. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. Why? Because in Christ, we are all brought into one 
in Christ. And he is not multiple levels here. He's not separated. There ain't going to be a table in heaven for women and a table in heaven for men. We're all brought together as one through his sacrifice. So well, I already knew all this, Pastor. Well, good, good. Then live it. Amen? Then live it. See, people will come along in your life, if you haven't noticed this, and whatever it is you're believing, if it's something that's really awesome and it really helps you and it really makes you grow and it really makes you stronger in your faith with God, you'll run into people in your life that'll tell you that's not so. And why they tell you that is because what, what it is, is that, and it's a really tragic thing, because what it is is it's the enemy trying to push you back from the border that you've moved to. It's an attack, is all it is. It's, a, it's the enemy. And good people, family members will do this. Friends will do this. Christians' friends will do this. That they'll push you back from where you're standing because you've become, you, see, because you've become dangerous because you have found out, you have found the clues, and you now understand the mystery. God's will. See, this whole book of Ephesians chapter 1 reveals this incredible mystery to you and I that we are all one in Christ, and we are all in Christ, and it's not by our own choice, but it's all by God's choice. Okay? Now, the choice that we had to make is to choose the chooser. We had to make the choice to receive what he was offering to us. That still was our part. But the, the, the amazing thing is, is that even though you were dead in your trespasses and sin, he has made you alive through Christ Jesus. Knowing full and well what you're like, what you've been doing, how you were pre-Christ today, and what you'll be like in the future, yet God still chose you. And truthfully, he's chosen all those who would believe on him. So, but the choice is still ours to receive his chosenness, that he has chosen us. He isn't going to make anybody believe in him. You can't find that any place in scripture where God forced someone to believe in him. People have made the choice to believe in him. So this is a great, great mystery. Go up to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. Chapter 3, and, uh, and look at verse 1. Paul says, listen, I want to talk to you about the mystery here. He says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you heard of this dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, which he's referring back to what he just talked about, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Then the Gentiles, that to Gentiles should be fellow heirs, fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Did you see that there? So what is he saying to you and I? He says, look, you Gentiles, Gentiles, pagans, people that don't have God in their life, people that worship false idols, people that are, are sinful, adulterous, no God in their life. He's saying, look, here's what God has done for you. Here's the mystery that Gentiles should be fellow heirs, fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He said, whereunto I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power 
Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So there is a fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So he's telling us, look, the mystery is revealed. Here's a mystery. The mystery is, how does this all work? How do we become joint heirs with God, with Christ? How do, we, how do we become heirs together with all of the Jewish people? How does that all take place? It takes place because this is God's determined plan and because he is the author and the finisher of faith and what he declares is the way that it is. Whether we understand it completely or not, when he says, you are the same as a Jew that believes in him, You're the same as a Jew that believes in him, what he is declaring over you and I. See, here's part of the problem we're dealing with today. We have a whole bunch of people, some pretty great preachers that are out there, actually, that are teaching that Jews don't have to believe in Christ, that they're God's chosen people and they actually have access into heaven. No, I I, I could throw names out and some of you would be like in shock. I'm not going to do that. I'll leave it as a mystery, Okay. They're out there, and that is so untrue because Christ came for the Jew and the Gentile. And if a Jew doesn't have to believe in Christ, then look, he didn't come for the Jew. He only came for the Gentiles. Hallelujah. So this is a mystery. Now just hang on with me. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Now I talked about how we're in Christ. But you go over to the book of Colossians chapter 1 and you look at verse 26. And in verse 26, this is what it says. Even the mystery, there it is again, singular, which hath been hid from ages and from generation, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. So what he's declaring now is this mystery is, is that, look, not only are you in Christ, but Christ is in you. This is a great mystery for you and I. This is a solved, this is a solved mystery. You know, we like it when we come to the end. I don't know if you've ever read a book uh, and you cheated and you read the end of the book. Because you were like, this is so interesting, but I just got to know how it finishes. So you go to the last chapter you know, the epilogue where you're trying to find out exactly what it was that was going on here. Well, uh, when you do that, uh, first you're a cheater, and, uh, but, but, but I'm a cheater because I've done it a whole bunch of times. Amen. And, uh, but you go to the end to find out the answers. And so, you know, what, to, to, to solve it. Now, here's the thing. God has revealed to you in your story the end of the chapter. He's revealed it to you. The great mystery that he has revealed to you is, is that, look, I'm in you, you're in me. I'm in you, you're in me. Paul even made an incredible declaration because he, he goes through this whole thing talking about how that Christ, there in Ephesians 1, how he has joined together things that are in heaven and things that are in earth. 
And what he's saying is, is that, look, the Christ that's in you and the Christ that you're in, you now have complete, absolute access into the heavens. See, this whole bill of goods that's been sold to the church that, like, you know, we, gotta st- we can only, to access heaven, we got to go through all these steps to get to God. Okay, there's one step in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray today. One step. That's that is the complete absolute. That's every key that you need. That's the only name that you need. That's the only name that works in any in any of this is that one name. And, you know, so we have all these ideologies through the years, which are complete myths that Peter sits at the gate, you know, and is letting, you, you can't get in, that you got to pray to this one so they can pray to that one, so they can pray to the next one, so that then one of them might be able to convince Jesus to talk to the Father on your behalf. And that is the biggest load of baloney because there is no biblical basis for any of that. And I'm not trying to cut, look, if that's what you believe and that's what works for you, that's your business. But I'm just telling you, you have no biblical foundation for that. You have no biblical foundations for that. You have access. You're in Christ. Christ is in you. See, and the devil really wants to resist you knowing about this because once you know about this kind of stuff, you become extremely dangerous. I'd rather, if I was the devil, I'd rather you still thought it was a mystery. You're just not sure. Well, yeah, I know that says that about the Gentiles, but I don't know that the, if that means me. I don't know if that means me. I mean, I know God forgives sin, but I don't know if that means I mean, does that mean me? But see, here's what happens. When you finally come to the the resolve in your life that when the Bible says you, it means you. And when the Bible says you're in Christ, you're in Christ. And when it says Christ is in you, Christ is in you. And the mystery has been solved, okay? The mystery has now been completely solved. Now, these are, several, there are, these are a couple of mysteries, but they're, they're, they, they have been solved. Here's another mystery. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. This is really good, Pastor. Thank you. This is awesome. I'm really enjoying this. All right. 15, and I want you to look at verse uh, 51. Verse 51, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality, and when this corruptible... Uh, shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what he's telling us here is that, look, I'm going to tell you a mystery. This is what death, this is what your, this is what death looks like for you. No sting. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to, get, I'm going to tell you. See, the enemy wants, especially the older you get, you know, when you're younger, you don't think a lot about death. But when you get older, you do start thinking about death, especially when people around you are dying. 
right? So you start thinking about stuff. And so, you know, and then you hear every report in the world and you try to watch a TV show and they tell you all the medications you need to be taking. And, you know, and then you have an insurance commercial, you know, that's telling you about your chances of getting, you know, run over by an elephant and, you know, just on and on and on. I mean, just stuff that you're constantly bombarded with death around us, okay? And when we're younger, we're like, you know, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to be fine. I'm, you know, young people tend to not contemplate death much. But the older you get, the things that you battle through, the people that are around you that you deal with, that are dealing with death, you start, you know, you've been to one too many funerals. You start realizing that my days are numbered. My days are numbered. Am I talking to anybody right now? All right. Now, listen. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back for his church, but we don't know when that's going to happen. So if that doesn't happen in my lifetime, my days are numbered. Okay? So let's say I'm going to, the Bible promises up to 120 years. So I'm halfway home. I'm just having my midlife crisis right now. <laughs> Amen. Some of you aren't even close to that yet. But, but see, here's, here's the thing. What the mystery about death is, is that death has no power over you. Now, you will die, but death has no power over your life. Amen. And so what, what here, and, and even, you know, and here's the really cool part, just talking about the power of, the, 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 the power of God here, that the Bible teaches this. I don't have time to get into all the depths of it, but it says the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive will be caught up together with him in the clouds and will be forever with the Lord. It, this is so awesome because if we have died, God will have the last word because he will take the cellular basis of our bodies that is deteriorated into dust, recreated into a new body with the same genetic material that has turned into worm food are you here and he will recreate all of that supernaturally to our spirit he will have the last word because oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your mystery solved as far as i'm concerned so when you start thinking about death when you start having to face some of the realities of you know people you go to funerals i got a funeral to go to tomorrow um you know you start dealing with death look all you got to do you just have to remember as a believer this mystery has been solved one if that person was a believer they're with god in heaven God will have the last word over that flesh that's in that casket or that's been cremated or whatever. God will have the last word because you'll see them again in their flesh again. They will be recreated supernaturally by the power of God. Every bit of those cells will be recreated without the sin base to them. Hallelujah. Amen. So when people start talking about, I don't know, man, you know, a lot of people dealing with cancer right now. You just come back with, look, I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of my God. And I absolutely believe in the name of Jesus that death has no, the, the sting of death has been taken out through Jesus Christ in my life. Mystery solved. And that the grave has no power over me because um, I love the old song we used to sing. It said, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. And I just absolutely, is that too old for you guys? I, 
look, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. You can put me in that grave, but I'm coming back up out of that ground. Are you listening to me? So see, that's the power. That's the mystery. You don't have to live your life in fear like everybody else that's separated from God. You can live your life in faith saying, look, death has no power over me. Death has no power. I may die, but it doesn't control my future. Death is not the final chapter of your life. It is not. It's just, look, it's just one chapter. There's more to the book. Glory to God. Amen. There's still more to be written. There's a whole eternity that goes beyond all of that with death. Hallelujah. Amen. So, the mystery of the resurrection. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Now, Jesus talked about this also in Matthew. I don't have time to turn to it today. But uh, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 11, he talked about, it is given unto you to know the mysteries, now use plurality there, the mysteries of the kingdom. So in 1 Corinthians 14, this is really amazing. First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is straightening out some things that are going on in the church in Corinth, and uh, he starts out in verse uh, 1 and talks about, listen, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Then he says in verse 2, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit, everybody underline in the spirit if you write in your Bible. Um, I want you to underline those words in the spirit. Howbeit, in the spirit, he is speaking mysteries. He is speaking mysteries. Okay, now this is that same word uh, except the plural version that there are mysteries that when we speak in tongues, we are declaring mysteries out of our spiritual life. We are declaring mysteries over ourselves, things that are unknown to us, things that we don't know, things that we don't understand. See, if you really want to step in to the things to understand mysteries, and I don't think we quite understand all of the mysteries that are available for us to understand yet, but if you want to step into the fullness of understanding the mysteries, here's how it happens in your life, by getting in the Spirit. Get in the Spirit. Now, there's several ways we can get in the Spirit. Of course, here he's talking about praying in tongues. But there's another place, Ephesians chapter 6, and it says this. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. All right? Jesus, so prayer and supplication is a way when we are praying for us to pray in the Spirit. But here's the thing, it's not begging, it's praying, prayer and supplication, which means that your prayer and supplication is in alignment with what God's Word says. When you and I pray the Word, we are speaking God's perfect will over our lives. But I also believe when we pray in tongues, we are speaking God's perfect will over our lives. You say, well, pastor, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Well, don't worry, you won't do it, okay? But don't let that belief rob you from getting in the Spirit. Don't let that happen. 
Pray the word over your life. Get scriptures and begin to speak those over your life. Begin to speak them. Now, here's another one. Jesus told us when he was talking by, to the woman by the well, he said that those who worship God must worship him in, in spirit and in truth, right? So worship is another aspect of you and I, an ability for us to get in spirit or in the spirit. So we worship, we can pray, we can speak in tongues. Those are avenues and aspects for us to be in the spirit, to be in the spirit. Paul Youngie Cho tells a great testimony about this. Pastor Cho uh, has one of the had has the largest church in all of the world over in Seoul, Korea, and he had uh, he had gone into a situation where uh, his son had drank some milk at school that was poisoned, and actually there were several students that had gotten the same milk and they were dying left and right. It put them into convulsions, and then the kids' hearts would stop and they were dead. And Cho was at the office, and he got a call from his wife, said, Cho, you got to come home. Your son is sick. There's been a poisoning take place at the school, and the, the kids are dying left and right, and I need you to come home. He came home, and you know, when you, as a parent, if you're a parent, you know, like, you want to be in faith, but it can be real difficult sometimes to be in faith when you get bad news, right? right? You're at least shaken for a moment, okay? And so Cho... He goes home and he walks in the room and there's his boy, his young son, laying on the kitchen table and he's dying. And Cho said, I began to pray and I began to speak in the name of Jesus. But he said, it seemed to me like I was, the words were going no further than out of my mouth. They were not having any authority. And, and look, we're not moved by our feelings. I'm just telling you what Cho was experiencing at that moment. And so not knowing what to do, not knowing what to do, he began to pray in the Spirit. He began to pray. And when he began to pray in the Spirit, for Cho, it was he began to pray in tongues. And when he began to pray in the Spirit, he said he prayed for one hour straight and his, nothing happened. He, he still could not feel, sense that authority. But he knew he had to get in the Spirit. See, it's not, it, this is something, because you're the vessel God's using, it's important for you to be in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Right? So we don't want you in the flesh because the flesh is flaky and the flesh will lie to you and the flesh has no authority, okay? It has no authority spiritually. So Cho prayed an hour and he said nothing. He said, I just, I still felt so lost. I felt like no, and then he prayed a second hour and he said, oh, and, and it, nothing. And he said, then the third hour. And he said, when I got about to that third hour of praying in tongues, he said, I, all of a sudden, he said, it was like something blew open on the inside of me. And I'm telling you, that's the Holy Ghost, all right? And look, and it blew through the flesh. It blew through the, the fear. It blew through the anxiety. It blew through all the lies. The And he all of a sudden, he said, it felt like something just blew open on the inside of me. And he said, and I knew it. He said, at that moment, he said, there's my boy dying. Everyone else has died. All their children have all died. He said, and there's my boy on that table. He said, but I looked at that boy and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get up off of that table and live and not die. And he said his son gasped and he jumped up off the table completely whole and healed. Now, look, I'm not saying today that you got to get in the spirit, but there will come a time in your life when you're going to need to get in the spirit. All of a sudden, something that maybe even seemed clear to you seems like it's a mystery to you now. 
Could be some financial deal. Could be some family situation. Sharon and I have had plenty of things that we've like that have happened to us. But what you have to do is get in the spirit. In the spirit. Say, so, well, Pastor, I just don't, you know, we already have the Holy Spirit. Why do we have to get in the spirit? Well, let me tell you something. You already have the faith that you need in you. Sharon brought this up to me this morning. You know, we have the same measure of faith that Christ had, right? That's what it teaches us in Romans chapter 12. But the only way that that measure can ever become more than it is, is you got to work it. She said, you know, Richard, she said, you can go out there and you can bench press 250 pounds. She said, if I go out there, why can't I do it? I got muscles. I have strength. I'm alive. Why do I do so much less? And she said the answer, she of course had her own answer. She said the answer is because you work what you've got. You say, well, you're a big pastor, so that's why. No, no. That's, see, that's all, the, that's all the lies we tell ourselves. Can a woman bench press 250 pounds? Absolutely. Absolutely she can. If she wants to. She might get big arms if she does, and that might cause problems. But, but, here, but see, to get in the spirit, you got to work it. Say, well, Pastor, I mean, I'm so busy. i got so much stuff going. Well, look, I'm just telling you, if you want, it to, be, if you want to be stronger spiritually, and that's what Paul's saying, if you want the mysteries to be lived out in your life actively, then you're going to have to work. And the work is you got to get in the spirit. You get in the spirit in worship. You get in the spirit in, in, in truth. You get in the spirit by praying in tongues. And you get in the spirit by praying the word in prayer and supplication. That's your workout. Well, can't pa- Pastor, can't God just do it for me? He already did what he's going to do for you. He gave you the measure. He already's done what he's going to do. He gave. Look, can I... Can I be blunt with you? You only get one body for right now. What happens to that is up to you. God ain't going to push you away from the table. God ain't going to make you get up tomorrow morning and do something. Move. You got to get up and do it. You got to make yourself do it. Amen. God isn't going to make you forgive people. He'll tell you how to do it. He'll encourage you to do it. But he ain't going to make you do it. See, you want to move into the spirit? See, I know some of you here, you're like, man, I just want to really get, I want to be closer to God. I want to experience more of his power. I want to flow more of his ability. I'll tell you exactly how to make that happen in your life. Get in the spirit. Get in the spirit. Say, well, I don't speak in tongues. Well, if you want to, you will. I pro- Listen, anyone that ever came to me that said, I want, to, I want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. Every one of them received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But on the other side, anyone that has told me, I don't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, none of them have done it. So that's really your choice, okay? That, but I'm, I'm just telling you, whatever decision you're making with that, this is a church that believes in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, you know, it is what it is. You're going to hear people speak in tongues here. When you bring your family members, we're going to do it a lot just so they know how weird we all are, right? So they all go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this church. 
But, but here's the thing. If you don't speak in other tongues, at least surrender yourself that I'm going to begin to speak the word over my life. I'm going to begin to be, pray the word. I'm going to get in the spirit. I'm going to get in the spirit by speaking and declaring God's word over my children. I'm going to declare God's word over our finances. I'm going to declare God's word over my household. And I'm going to believe in the name of Jesus that mighty things are going to take place. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Yeah. Oh, I love mysteries, man. I love the mystery. But look, these mysteries have been solved in Christ for you and I. Praise the Lord. Stand up with me if you would. Now, I could tell you some more, you know, you can look these up yourself. You go to Ephesians 5, it tells you that marriage is a mystery. How many of you found out marriage can be a mystery? Oh, buddy, come on. A husband and a wife, right? Mystery. But he says, and then he tries to, you know, then he tries to explain it by the Spirit. Paul explains it by saying, so let me explain what it's like. It's like Jesus is the head of the church and you're the body. Oh, I see. That doesn't help, okay? No. But the mystery that is solved is, is that what Christ is saying is, is that when you're in a husband and wife, you're one. And though you're different, you're still one. And you should live in your marriage as that's the mystery solved. The mystery about the head and the body is, is that, listen, he's the head of the church and we're the body, but I've never seen a headless body function on this earth. Amen. You got to have the head for the body to work right, right? I mean, it just, it could maybe go for like a chicken can run around, you know, for a while without its head or, or whatever. But eventually the system breaks down because the controller of it all is gone. Mystery solved. There are more mysteries to be learned. Let's step into the depths of the spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord God, that there are that the mystery of who we are has been fulfilled in Christ. Whether we're a woman or we're a man, whether we're a Jew, whether we're a Gentile, Lord, we are joined together. Lord, I thank you, God, that uh, as you look upon humankind, Lord, you don't see the church as just the people that are here on earth. You see the church as those who are in heaven already as well. That it's one church, it's one body, Lord God. They've run their race, they've finished their course, they've passed through to the other side. But God, our part, while we are here, is to live out in respect and honor, and Lord, and pass on that legacy to generation to generation. Lord, our course is not finished, our race is not done. And so, Lord God, we will run and we will go, Lord, forward with what you have called us to do in the power of the Spirit. I pray, Father God, that this week, your people, Lord, Lord, of any week in their lives, when everything is about, Lord, right now about, uh, forgive me for this, but cider and donuts and fall, fall stuff, Lord God, may we this week get more in the Spirit, Lord God, than we ever have before. May we be in the Spirit, Lord, that we hear your voice. You said as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. That opportunity that's available to us to be led by your Spirit in all things. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you today, Lord God, that there are people you're going to bring across our path, even this afternoon, 
that, Lord, as we meet them, we're going to be in the Spirit, and, Lord, we're going to be sensing things that you're saying to them, Lord God, to minister to them, to bring life to them, to bring hope to them, to bring encouragement to them. Lord, for this week, that this will be a week of revelation and understanding. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Lord, bless this food as we go fellowship, and uh, Lord, and spend time together with one another, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all those agreed said, amen. Amen. Okay, you don't have to go get your kids right now, 15 minutes.